0: Modern.
1: Modern. Modern. Modern.
0: We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration.
2: Why don't you make that a
0: double? Modern bar cart. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode one of the Modern Bar Cart. Podcast. In this episode, I sit down for a chat with a couple of my favorite cocktail personalities, Alex Luboff and Jordan Wicker of the Speaking Easy podcast. I was actually a guest on their show back in August of 2016, and they've been producing consistently great audio content about cocktails and home bartending for over a year and a half now. Since this is episode one, we discuss the joy of being a home bartender, as well as some of the trials, tribulations, comedic mistakes, and life hacks that will help you decide if building your own home bar or bar cart is a project you're interested in undertaking. Some of the things we discuss include how Jordan and Alex got into cocktail podcasting, the values of a good home bartender, Alex's duck bar. Common Cocktail Rookie Mistakes, The Zone of Proximal Drinking, Must Read Cocktail Books, Where to Grab a Drink with George Washington, and much, much more. These fellows are a real pleasure to listen to, and you can find all of the various ways to listen to and connect with them at the end of the episode and, of course, in the show notes. Finally, despite not being a part of the recorded dialogue, I want to give a huge shout out to the Speaking Easy podcast's fantastic producer, Silent Tyler, without whom this would not have been possible. So make yourself a drink. And if you're not in a place to do that, make yourself a mental drink and enjoy this awesome kickoff episode with the gents from the Speaking Easy podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. My name is Eric Kozlik, and I am sitting here today with two of my podcasting idols, dare I say, uh, Jordan Wicker and Alex Luboff of the Speaking Easy Podcast. Gentlemen, thanks for being on the show. It's
1: good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah. And, and, and thank you for obviously setting the expectations very low no. so that we, have, <laughs> we don't have to be funny or anything like that.
2: I, I'm a sucker for flattery, so
0: keep going. Going. I didn't say you had to be funny. you were just yeah. sort of, you know, it was it was your run of the mill flattery. Um, <laughs> yep. No, I'm I'm a fan. Keep it general. Yeah. I mean, it always it always lands. Nice. So, do you mind just briefly introducing yourselves and what you do, and you know, just so our listeners can uh, get a get a flavor?
1: Sure. So you go for yourself. I'll go for myself, and
2: then we'll talk about the podcast.
1: Okay. Cool. So, uh, so I'm Alex. I guess you need to identify the voices, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um. I'm a a guy who, uh, you know, works here in D.C. Living it up. I don't know. No, um, you know, I I, I got interested in this podcast just through. Kind of meeting Jordan, we, you know, we kind of met you through mutual friends and eventually just kind of started talking about drinks. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah. gone pretty well so far. So,
2: yeah. So, uh, I generally introduce myself when people learn about the podcast as, as the guy who has a very interesting family and I'm the guy who had to be the suit. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, my day job is being a suit, but I started, I got a, a strong interest in liquor and, that's a weird way to say that but a strong interest in liquor and mixed drinks and cocktails really starting in my time in Chicago during law school Uh, and part of that was my my learning experience through family members who are in the restaurant and liquor business and so when I moved out to DC I was throwing cocktail parties and Alex was throwing cocktail parties and we learned that we were each throwing cocktail parties through a mutual friend so we started inviting each other and when that happened, we could throw bigger ones because we could each be behind the bar ah, and pool the resources. And, and, right, pool the resources. Exactly. We could one one guy could be playing front of the house, the other guy could be back of the house, yeah. and, and we could get more done that way. And yeah, and it, it
1: just was it was kind of interesting because we just would have conversations and people would kind of pay attention and and just listen to us go back and forth. And so from there, somebody said, I think somebody said you guys should start a blog. And we were like, oh, a blog, like oh, we hate but, a blog. I don't I, even though we still have one. I'm not, li- I'm not literate really. So, yeah, uh, only like <laughs> 75%. So, um, but yeah. And then we were kind of like, Oh, well a podcast might be uh, something, to, something to do. So yeah, it's been about a year and a half. And, um, we, I think what we enjoy most about it, and I'm, I am going to speak on Jordan's behalf here as I normally love yeah. to. Um, that I think the, the part we, we've really enjoyed the most is just interacting with people. Mm. Um, you know, they tell us their, their ideas for what they want to hear about, what they're drinking. Um, their, spins on classics versus our spins on classics that sort of stuff hmm. and so it's been kind of a uh, that's been I think the part that we've really enjoyed the most just about uh, doing it and and uh yeah it's going pretty well
2: Nice. Yeah, No, definitely engaging the interested group of the cocktail community at large. And obviously that's a, a big thing. with. Without social media, the community would be much smaller. And through doing the podcast, I'm not much of a social media person on the personal level. But through doing social media through the podcast, we've expanded our community to a national, international level. We have people who interact with us on a regular basis. We're huge and- in
1: Brazil or Argentina. Or one of those places. I just no. heard Argentina.
0: You yeah. guys were yeah. talking in one of your more recent episodes about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but, well, which is always surprising to us because we, we are a, a couple of Midwestern boys that mispronounce everything. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I guess <laughs> I, I don't know. That's. I think that for me, that's the driving factor behind the podcast. Is I. <laughs> I wouldn't do this other than the fact that I do believe strongly that cocktails should be approachable and common and homemade. Yeah. And and as, as much as we want to talk about the craft cocktail movement, which I love as a consumer, uh, the homemade cocktail is one that I think should be a more prevalent experience. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's... I, I, I really like listening to your episodes because you get a lot of the the DIY aspect out of it and and that's to me that's that's my favorite part because you guys through doing the research for your episodes you've kind of given yourself this constraint which is hey we're going to post an episode every week which kind of forces you to be creative Mm -hmm. and as a listener I sort of get that creativity secondhand and I don't have to do it myself but every once in a while I'll be like oh man I need to make something oh yeah Alex has that bomb brandy cherries recipe on the Speaking (laughs) Easy podcast and I can just go and basically I I go to your place and I get this canned creativity and I always give trivia I always say like oh man I got this this great recipe off this podcast and try and send you guys some listeners but the nice thing is I get to participate in that creativity because you guys have kind of committed to it so that's what I appreciate about the podcast but what uh, if you had to basically make a pitch to somebody off the street uh, who's curious about your podcast what value would you like why, how would you pitch it to them Yeah,
1: you know I guess I, I always kind of tell people that we've never been professionals I don't think either of us really seek to be professionals it's kind of our passion is the hobby itself and you know I don't think I mean at least I wouldn't say that I've ever created the best version of a drink I create one that you know my family and friends enjoy and I've introduced people to, to gin that they never thought they drink gin um, you know and, and I was just talking to someone the other day and they said you know getting people to getting getting someone to try something like I, for instance I really I have a problem with sour beers right But I went to an event just last night and I tried I tried five different sour beers from this one company and which company uh, it was Upland Brewing okay um, they were having their, their DC launch uh, here uh, and you know I, I, I figured I'd try them because they're a company from Indiana and that's where Jordan and I both went to school, and I and I actually enjoyed some of them. You know, I don't like all sours, but I enjoyed some of them. And it was kind of this idea of like you don't know, you try five drinks, you try five gins, you try five just getting out there and trying it. And you don't need special skills. You don't need you know to make a huge investment. I mean, I was getting the sample sizes of, of these sour beers, for instance. You, you just, you get out there, you try it, you'll find something you really connect with. Whether that's on a, on a taste level or, you know, kind of reminds you of, uh, I had a cocktail that once reminded me of, like, you know, a, like cereal milk, whatever. Like, <laughs> almost like the milk bar like, thing. Yeah, but, yeah, You know, but in a cocktail form. And it's just, it's that sort of stuff that I think is really, um, you know, we want people to connect with that idea that you don't need a lot of special skills to, to really enjoy drinks and um, you know, there's this great you know, this great history
2: of, of hobby bartending right. that I think is really what we're interested in. You don't, you don't need to be an alchemist to, to make a good drink and there's plenty out there that's traditional and easy and approachable and I'm going to go back to approachable. That's again the reason that I want this podcast. I enjoy this podcast. I, 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 I take the time to do research and drinking, uh, for this R&D, podcast. You know, right. Um, so that's, that's the thing I think that keeps me going. The, the, the thing that I mentioned early in our, and some of our shows though, too, is I grew up in a family where there was a lot of moments that I'd call nostalgic food moments, things that you, you think back to your childhood and they are immediately associated with not just a moment or a time, but our people, but with the food that was served then. Mm-hmm. And granted, when you're a kid, you, You're not drinking cocktails, but I do think that on a personal level, I have grown to appreciate uh, the culture of drinking, um, especially in family and informal settings, in a way that uh, done appropriately, you should have the same nostalgic moments where you can remember having... Uh, a great old fashioned on the patio with your brothers-in-law or mm-hmm. or you can remember having a, a Negroni uh, after work uh, with a couple of your good friends or the, the same way that you could remember sitting on the back porch drinking a beer. You should be able to have those same kind of nostalgic moments with a cocktail. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. So basically so Alex you're talking about sort of the DIY ethos. Do yeah. Yeah. It yourself. Uh, you don't need to have a degree from the Culinary Institute of America to be able to taste yeah. uh, orange or something <laughs> like that. I yeah. think most but. of us have had that flavor, <laughs> familiar with it. You can probably pick it out of a cocktail. Yeah, uh, and exactly. and, and uh, Jordan, I, I love uh, the point that you made about the memory aspect and the emotion aspect. I think we talked about this. I've been a guest on your podcast once, mm-hmm. which was, mm-hmm. which was really fun. And we talked a little bit about that. And I, I actually, as you were talking, I was recalling uh, my, my sister's fiance and she were, were able to meet up with me in New Orleans last year when I was down there. And I actually got to give them their first Negroni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was, that was like a crazy moment. Because yeah. As I think back on it, I've gotten texts and social media posts where, you know, they tag me or they send the pictures to me. They're like, yeah, I just got this new gin. I'm trying it out. Yeah. And it's cool to think back to the seed of that, yeah. uh, joy being the moment where I said, Hey, Oh yeah. Have you ever had a Negroni?
2: Yeah. No. Well, we're going to have oh. a Negroni. So, so that's actually a great point because the, 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 nostalgic piece, the memory piece, the cultural piece of it for me is again, the, the reason that I stay in, the, the reason I was interested before the podcast and the reason I'm interested in doing the podcast but I can't say that the, anything other than my proudest moments having done the podcast are when people come and talk to me and they tell me I've changed their drinking habits, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they've added this to their list of favorite drinks or they do this differently or uh, people telling me that they now have a new favorite cocktail is yeah. just like the highlight of, of this experience. But even if it's something less than that, it's, hey, I really like the fact that you guys go through different liquors or whatever. And, and explain why one is better for yeah. a cocktail or another. And now I put citrus in my vodka. That, I got that compliment recently, and I was like, I was like, that is like probably the bare minimum for that to be a compliment. But I that that seems like one of those huge marginal steps towards yeah. drinking better.
0: It's like someone saying, "I stopped beating my dog." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But yeah. Right. Um, he likes me now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what i I was talking about, you know, I, um, you know, to, to make someone a, the uh, the first gin drink that they enjoy and they don't say, Oh, this tastes like pine needles. Well, you know, that's only that's a very limited scope. And I'm of the, especially when it comes to gin, you know, I'm of the belief that, you know, gin is probably more varied than I would say than, than, you know, than whiskey in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. There, there are ways that you can vary gin, uh, to chomp. And I'm <laughs> certain Jordan would, would, yeah, uh, Jordan, Jordan. I, push back.
2: I, I had to yeah, get into that, but I, I hesitate on that. Statement on the on the variety, but I do think that it is more versatile in a cocktail. Yeah, than, and, okay, than, so maybe that's whiskey. my point. Sure, and I, I do think that there. Yeah. That, that's one thing where gin was my first alcohol of or liquor of choice. In, in college, it's really easy and approachable to to order a gin and tonic. Yes. you know what you're going to get out of that. But yeah, but uh, then to make even then, a, even a lousy gin and tonic is still going to be a gin and tonic. But then. then,
1: but then my point is to then make someone one that's like wow, right? You know, to right. to,
2: to use a tonic syrup or to use something that. Be sure. Really, like wow. Well, to elevate that to a point where even just consistency is an okay yeah, and thing.
1: I think that's kind of the last element, actually, yeah. of our of our show is to, to just elevate it to just a little bit of of a, of a different level. I mean, you're talking about you know even the you know stepping your sugar from just pure white refined sugar to to getting a more unrefined tribonado or domero or something like that. Yeah, like that that's the sort of stuff that I think that you know as a as a drinker and as a hobbyist bartender and and then as a, as a host. That's the sort of stuff where people are like, wow, this old-fashioned is so
2: good, and I'm like, I'm just using a less processed sugar. Like that's Uh-oh. that's the only difference from what you had right. last I'd, week, you know. So I think I'd even simplify that further and say that of, just about just about everyone can make a better mixed drink and/or cocktail than the vast majority of mixed drinks or cocktails that you're gonna get at most bars. Sure. I'm I'm gonna separate out a cocktail bar from mm-hmm. that. So, somebody who Upper sets crust, yeah. somebody who sets themselves out at as caring about cocktails and cocktail culture and that sort of thing. Obviously, those professionals do a fantastic job. But if you go to a sports bar and you order an old-fashioned... Mistake. Yeah. yeah. They, right. Exactly. Soda water. Like, yep. y- you're going to be disappointed. It's like knowing your, the, the favorite thing your mom makes and then going and ordering that at a restaurant. You're always going to be disappointed. And again, going back to that kind of uh, homemade mentality, you can make stuff at home that beats the ten or twelve dollar drink. You're gonna buy a lot of restaurants or a lot of, or not maybe not a lot of restaurants, but a lot of bars, um, and end up paying that tab for with the same product with very little work. Um. And and you, you can do it at home, and yeah. you can have your own guests, and you can have you can host the experience. And some people don't want to be hosts, and I get that, but. That's also another piece of all of this that I, although some people will notice that occasionally if I'm running late I get a little wound tight. I still like the process of hosting.
0: <laughs> yeah, that happens. Type A people being hosts, it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse because they have all their shit together. But then if something if something yeah. uh, if something kind of uh, goes sideways, it's uh, a little stressful. But w- one or of something. the things that I wanted to um, highlight from what you guys are saying is I what I, I, w- I want to throw a term at you and you might you might be able to coin this down the road, Ooh. but <laughs> I took uh, some developmental psychology classes way back in undergrad, and I remember there's this concept called the zone of proximal development. And zone of proximal development. <laughs> ZPD, baby, and it was it was this it was this area that was in between easy and hard, mm. and it was where when they gave kids tasks that they needed to learn, if it was not super easy, but it was not so, so hard that they couldn't do it, just completely yeah. out of their reach, that they ended up growing mm. and learning best and most quickly Mm -hmm. and so I think based on what you're saying about like how your how your podcast tries to you know be accessible so not pretentious it's not way up over people's heads but at the same time you are trying to elevate it just a little bit so what I think you guys really have done is you've built the zone of proximal drinking
1: Mm. oh (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt idea Uh. Tyler's are. Uh, I, like, I like. Us, I like. I He's gonna lot. make that T-shirt tonight. Yeah, he's got a great T-shirt on right now. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. yeah. does. <laughs> um, wow, the zone of progress. I lo- You know, and and yeah, that's really that's really it. Like, you know, I, uh, I I think that's something that that we we did kind of set out to do. You know, I, I think one of the inspirations for me um, to um, to get involved in this podcast. I mean, there are really two reasons. One, I got into I got into just liquor in general beyond just, hey, let's do a shot. Um, <laughs> I got into liquor in general because I had an ex-girlfriend who was like, my brothers drink whiskey so you're going to learn to drink whiskey and I said, okay. You um, know, I kind of kind of went from there, I guess. Um, but I think then the, the real inspiration to do this this podcast, um, you know, beyond just, you know, just the love of, of spirits and all that, w- was when I, heard, I I saw this, this, uh, this, this video from, uh, um, you know, from a bartender where he was making this drink and he was using green chartreuse which the irony is that we have an episode on chartreuse but um, I, he was just talking about, yeah you just throw that in there just a little bit and whatever and you know he's talking about a $60 bottle of chartreuse which you may not use that much and you know granted we then had to do our own exploration and kind of get to the point where we're like oh you know you can get a lot more out of chartreuse and it is worth, ma- worth making the investment right you know on down the road in your development so it's kind of this interesting idea that like you know, uh, it's not. You know, it's not. It's not again. It's not the first step. Like if you, if you're kind of not ready to go beyond beer and beyond shots or whatever, then this definitely isn't the thing for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that kind of idea, the zone no of proximal drinking. I, I kind of see that as, you know, yeah. We don't have that special training, and Jordan and I, frankly, aren't even a lot smart. Um, <laughs> I am speaking for you again. Yeah. All right. Uh, but well, like. We'll People, but yeah. We'll let people tune into
0: this the Speaking Easy podcast and make, make yeah. their own uh, decision yeah. about okay. that. Okay,
1: but no, but the, the thing is that like, you know, we're, we're I think that, you know, we have this kind of passion for this and I've got this, I've got kind of a, a an experimental streak when it comes to drinks, joins more of the traditionalists, kind of tweaking the classics. We, we have kind of our set paths and we, we are able to explore and we make a good team because of that.
0: Right, you have um, a really nice back and forth yeah, in, in that and, respect.
1: And I think that that's part of it and it is built on respect, right. but but I think that it also kind of stems <laughs> from some kind of respect. All right. Not self <laughs> Yeah. Maybe not self-respect. totally. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that that is it, that, you know, um, it, it, again, yeah, going back to that do-it-yourself do attitude, the, the the kind of, that ethos, um, you know, and and allowing people, showing people that, you know, when they come to a party of mine, they say, wow, this is a really great old-fashioned I'm Like, you guys, you're three steps away from making a great old-fashioned. You just may have never had one and that was made quite in the simple, straightforward way that we, that we make them. So nice. I think it was kind of the, the idea.
2: Yeah. At all. Yeah.
1: So kind of taking what we've just been talking about and
0: transitioning, what do you think are the great joys of home bartending? So we've talked about what you do on the podcast and you know, the knowledge that you try to bring to people, but you can feel free to speak, I guess, personally at, yeah. at this point. Cause I know that Jordan, you mentioned earlier that, that home hosting is, is being a good host is part of what the podcast does and I, I know that you reference that a lot and, and you both talk about some of the parties that you've thrown um, so whether that's for yourself or for a group of people maybe you can make distinctions there I'm sure mm-hmm. that they're very different but what are the joys of home bartending if you had to again this is kind of this being one of our very first episodes this is kind of like a pitch to those people yeah. who might be looking to transition from shots and beers who, who might have yeah. had a good mixed drink in a bar and are maybe a little bit curious But
1: not totally convinced yeah. So You know I think I think for me It comes down to Just how I grew up My uh, My parents are both Really good hosts uh, My dad's more The front of house Kind of guy Making jokes And all that sort of stuff And then my mom I mean You know Cooked up a storm And make sure Everyone's had a glass Their glass was filled And everything And You know what, To me What they taught me About hosting Was That it is Kind of the ultimate Form of respect. It's it's the attention paid is not out of you're not trying to get anything out of it. It's it's really one of the the like the, the selfless things that you can do for your friends is just to have a well well organized kind of well well run get together. And um, I always kind of saw that as just something that you could you could do to really show affection to people that isn't just buying them things. You know, you, so, although you certainly should you know, supply your own. You're not not charging a cover fee. Yeah, but like, although I did have a party recently, I I had a cover. It was a a fundraiser for my for my uh, my new bar, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) entirely different. It was a charitable (laughs) cost, but Uh, (laughs) it's it's the idea that you know everybody who donated is
2: going to get their money back. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's more of like a deposit, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a timeshare. Yeah.
1: No, but you know, it's it's that idea that like you know you do this because this is this is a form of effect. Um, and I always thought that, that was really great,
2: and yeah.
1: and that's you know maybe that's that's a little too midwestern for yeah. uh, some people, but I think it, it you know for me it's it's something that I just really enjoy doing, and.
2: yeah. Yeah, so I, I will double down on that note. Uh, I grew up in a family who uh, valued good hosting, good hospitality. I will tongue in cheek uh, say that I also grew up in a family that had PBS and the Spanish speaking so so I watched uh, at a very young age a, a show on PBS called Keeping Up Appearances it was a BBC oh, wow. show the Rosemary Bouquet yes yes <laughs> uh, yeah. um, and uh, wow that's a childhood reference that I didn't think anybody would <laughs> catch but uh, yeah,
0: my grandmother had that channel uh, oh, and she man, lived right but, next door so but, uh,
2: <laughs> but I, 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 when I want to give my mom a hard time about the the expectations the ritual cleaning before things that sort of thing like that's the show that I reference and uh, but then even beyond that when I was I, I was living in Chicago at the same time as my brother-in-law and older sister and again they're both in the, the restaurant business now and uh, they've been in the hospitality business before and uh, to be honest uh, three years in Chicago spending a ton of money on education and uh, the, I think some of the best lessons I got were the lessons about hospitality and, and and hosting and and again, part of that was also the culture of drinking and 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 drinking better. So. For me, a big part of it is the hosting. I've mentioned that for me, hosting does become stressful. That's also something that I think I picked up uh, from from family. Um, again, I set I try to set high expectations. One thing that I'd say though is like we started this podcast because we were both throwing cocktail parties. And if I look back at a year and a half ago at the cocktail party I was throwing, yeah. I'd be embarrassed to throw that one today. Yeah. And and not to say that that was a bad cocktail party, it's just that because I've taken the time to learn and to get better and to practice the experience I hope for my guests is significantly better now than it was then and again I don't think that anybody would have criticized me for the parties I threw before but I know that I take extra steps and I take extra care and I've made it so that things are consistent and um, I think about the number of serves I think about the cocktail for the customer like not the customer but the friend and and the consumer yeah. And again, I, I used to worry a ton when I first started about, like, I have a decent amount of, of, of liquor available and I have a decent number of mixers available, so I, I should just let people kind of choose what they want to drink. And uh, a very early lesson I had in having the podcast was, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> um, one, the unlimited choice is something that makes people hesitate mm-hmm. to, to suggest something outside of something that they know is easy and comfortable and and they know that they like. And, and so, I mean, we had an early, an early show where we talked about making cocktail menus for your parties. And I kind of, to be honest, I think I remember kind of scoffing at that idea as just something extra. But really what it does is, one, it allows you to practice the things that you're working on currently. It allows you to bring in uh, st- like staples in your repertoire. And it also limits choices in a way that is comfortable to your guest.
1: Which, which then allows you as the host to enjoy the party. Yeah. More. Right. Because that, that's ultimately why you have a party. It's so not to not to have people in your apartment to drink your booze, <laughs> it's to have people in your apartment to enjoy their company.
2: Yeah. Right. And and it also limits the amount of time you're spending behind the bar trying to figure out what to make for somebody. And for me again, it's if it's about the hosting, it's not being a good bartender means that you're also a good host, I think, on the professional level. But on the on the home side, if you're spending your entire time behind the bar, you're definitely not being a good host.
0: Right. And and for somebody who likes to be in control and have things organized. What happens mm-hmm. when somebody throws in the X factor? I know right. I remember you guys ta- talking about you know somebody brings someone yeah. you know, who's not into cocktails, and then you have to play fifty questions. <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I, that's so, that's a totally valid that's, point.
1: That's so, like um, when I uh, when I had a, someone bring a guest I didn't really know, and that was fine to bring a guest, um, but uh, he he said he wanted a sweet vodka drink and he doesn't want to taste the alcohol. And I was like. Okay, where's my apple juice? <laughs> you know, like, where, like, how do you, you know? How do you even get to that? And and it's part of the adjustment you make. And as you're more experienced, I think it gets a little bit
2: easier. But okay. so yeah, that was a, that was hard. Yeah. Again, I've. In in the last few months even, I I started doing it earlier than that, but in the last few months I've gotten, I think, a lot better at varying my cocktail menu so that if somebody comes in who I'm not familiar with, who has drinking habits that I don't normally cater to in terms of their liquor of choice or the style of drink, that I feel like I have something that at least they should try. On the menu, um, and so again, I'm limited to four drinks, five drinks maybe at the most, and they're things that I generally can prepare ahead of time to to one or two steps. So, I mean, I've even gotten my, and, and Alex will probably give me a hard time for this. Like, I make an old fashioned syrup now, mm-hmm. so I've got yep. I've got the I've got the the sugar and the bitters all combined as one. You give me two ounces of liquor, and I can give you an old fashioned and and five seconds yeah um, uh, we just had, I just threw a, a, a derby party this weekend and I went ahead and made mint simple syrup which was great I will say and and one people people hung around longer than I expected because they were like well we're gonna go to the bar and we're gonna get a sugary mess there we might as well drink all of the whiskey he has here with the mint simple <laughs> syrup because they like the flavor more I will say that some people kind of scoff at the again I blend when I make my mint simple syrup I just take simple syrup and add a couple handfuls of uh, mint leaves so I've I've plucked the stems and everything off but mm. I just throw that in the blender and blend the shit out of it and it was good and, and then and if you're doing and that day of that's a great yeah, solution the yeah. uh, uh, day of, and then you don't have to do anything else other than again it's uh, depending on who you're serving an ounce and a half or two ounces uh, of whiskey and a quarter ounce of uh, the syrup and you're done and the <laughs> Again, if you're only serving four people, it's probably worth the time to, to do the extra muddle in the glass and, and give right. them the whole show. If you're serving 15 people, people want to drink faster than that. Yep. Uh, like that's just yeah. – and if, if they, people are not if people are patient, 15 people aren't going to have their drinks until you're 30 minutes in anyway. Yeah, so right. uh, it, again, those, those little lessons about being a host, uh, again, go into it. And then again, introducing people to new drinks. I think the main – menus allow you to do that more and also if people aren't comfortable with what's on the menu um again at this point I'm pretty comfortable with what I have around the house um on on a regular basis to to whip up something and it's probably not going to hit the mark. I used to put a ton of pressure on myself to give them the best drink they ever had and then I remembered that I wasn't a professional. <laughs> and I was like yeah. I I can I, I, I can give them a direction. I can try to give them something new, but I'm not going to give them a cocktail that they think is worth spending $25 on.
0: Sure. Sure. No, that's totally fair. I want Wanted to get your thoughts on the process. So we've talked about the process of home bartending. We've talked about sort of you know the joys of home bartending and some of the considerations. What about the the bar itself? Could you mm. now, Alex? Maybe maybe we'll. Maybe we'll start with Alex here because I know mm-hmm. I have a specific question about Alex's yes. bar because Alex, your bar is, yeah, famous might be a, a, no, it's a, stretch. I would say, I would,
1: <laughs> it's I would say, I would notorious. say infamous. Yeah, infamous. <laughs> yeah, notorious,
0: infamous. Yes. Yeah, infamous. Uh, yeah. So can you tell us about the infamous duck bar and how yes. you went
1: around about building the duck bar? Yeah, no, so the, the duck bar, so the first, the name, like, you know, there aren't ducks that hang around although I, I've invited them many times. Uh, so, yeah, I just really <laughs> Those like Those are ducks. new details. Then. I know, right? Key. Um, so that's the other thing. And I don't know, I just kind of thought it would be kind of fun to have a bit of a theme. So I've got ducks all over the bar. and um, Stuffed? Yeah, well, I, I used to have some wood ducks. Uh, now I've got fewer. I've still got some um, you know, kind of really cool ducks that I got in China. And the, the whole thing was kind of around the idea of, you know, I, I want to have all my tools right there. I don't want to have everything ready, and now I just moved, and so um, I had to deconstruct it. So that's why I did this kind of quote-unquote fundraiser for the for Duck Bar 2. And uh, you know, I, I I basically made punches and liqueurs and everything for with all of my booze, which over two I collected over two years, so it was quite a bit. Uh, it was quite a party. Mm-hmm. We got through it all, which was great. Um, and what did now, the end of that party look like? Yeah, actually, at the end of the party, I was like. I, I'll, I'll be honest I was fairly sober and I was just like I'm just gonna start cleaning um, but I also went to sleep so <laughs> I never make the decision
2: to clean sober yeah no, <laughs> that starts drunk <laughs> uh,
1: but but no it was actually kind of it was cool and then and so now that now kind of building a bar again which I think this is has been such an interesting experience because I really am building it with no liquor um, the first liquor I got was actually a gift um, it was so these, these like tiny airport uh, size airline bottles of, of Mescal. Um these are, they're beautiful painted bottles. It's really it's kinda cool that that's the first thing in the bar. Um and kinda I'm gonna build up from there. And mm-hmm. you know, so I started with a whiskey and a gin and I'm and kinda going from there. I've got all my bitters, I kept all those and Good. um Yeah you know, and and it's it's kinda cool because it's it's a new experience for me to really kinda start from scratch. And you know, I think there are some things that, you know, like velvet falernum I'll wait a little longer to put back on, on the bar. But there are certain things, um, you know, like getting into aperitifs and all
2: so, that, that I'm probably going to go. So this sure. is a great time for me to plug something that, um, I'm actually not advertising it, but, uh, for friends, I've started consulting on building their home bars and I, not by building, like I'm not doing the, the carpentry work. I'm, which I could I'm, do. I'm stock, I'm stock, I'm stocking their home bars. And so we're going to put Jordan's cell phone number on <laughs> <laughs> in, in
0: the show <laughs> notes. Since, only time, since
2: late at night <laughs> right. night, right? The thing is, I'm super. I'm super cheap. I. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, one thing that, uh, in terms of thinking about building your home bar, the the thing that I always say, sort of tongue in cheek, but also very seriously, are. Um, first always always put your favorite on the bar first. I mean, there's no point in having a home bar if your if, if your favorite's not there. So, whether that's whiskey, gin, vodka, uh, sorry, rum, whatever, uh, tequila, uh, have that first. And then uh, that's actually second most important, and I only do it in this order because the first most important is if you have a significant other, their favorite is, is most know. important. Yep. Because uh, Wise advice. <laughs> uh, because otherwise you're going to be drinking sad instead of drinking happy. Uh, but beyond that, again, uh, assuming that it's in the normal realm of common uh, liquors... Uh, having a, a common bottle of... Uh, so again, maybe maybe your favorite... I'm just going to use myself as an example. Maybe your favorite is, is bourbon or whiskey. And then maybe your second is gin. And, and so... Knowing that a lot of people are familiar with white rum drinks over aged rum, some a lot of people are also familiar with spiced rum drinks. Um, but having a white rum or or even a lightly aged rum, I think, is, is beneficial in knowing how to make a daiquiri again. Simple process, it's a sour, it's just sir, syrup, and f- fresh fruit juice and in, in the liquor. <laughs> so, having having the rum, having I mean, I, I'm looking around right now thinking, I probably. Don't have a bottle of vodka in the house, and that's um, staggering considering all the other bottles I currently have in the house. Yeah,
0: but I'm seeing a couple doubles as um,
2: well. Yeah, there's there's a few repeats. But again, I'm not I'm not a vodka drinker. I've learned to make one of the best vodka cranberries anybody's ever had. Oh, this um, side
0: of the Mississippi,
2: um, and it's only because I don't want to. If somebody says they want a vodka drink, I don't want to have to think about it. To be honest, like if it's a vodka it, vodka tonic. Sure, vodka soda sure vodka cranberry outside of that i'm probably not making you a vodka drink but i feel like that's a yeah. that's an, enough to be a good host and and to if somebody is real to be honest i've never run into anybody in my house uh that i've been serving um mm-hmm. that i haven't been able to convince to go to gin or whiskey or something mm-hmm. else and that they, they haven't been perfectly happy with that switch i'm not saying that i blew them away and that they're now not vodka drinkers but Again, having a baseline, uh, again, you don't need to go buy top shelf liquor for everything. I also keep a lot more citrus around than I ever did before I started hosting cocktail parties. And citrus gets—I I mean, I'm—it becomes a chore, especially when I'm doing research for the podcast. And it's not normally something that I have a ton around unless I'm throwing a party. Uh, I buy way more citrus than I used to because the difference between that and store-bought, preservative-filled fruit juice, is—it's a completely different product. It's not the it same. It doesn't taste the same. It's not. It's not the same same thing no. and and I mean that fresh is superior and again it's one of those things where in a in a certain audience that might sound pretentious or elevated to a degree that is a difficulty that some people might or not a convenience that some people want to do but it is super easy and again if you're going to go to the effort of, of hosting and having a home bar it's worthwhile yeah um and then again if if your favorite drinks a martini uh, sweet vermouth is uh, i I would say both vermouths sweet and dry vermouth uh, mm-hmm. of of your favorite uh, Alex and I disagree uh, to some degree on what our favorites are, and, and especially yeah. on the sweet vermouth side. But, I mean, I only... He's wrong, too. I only, I only really buy dull and dry, and I vary my sweet vermouth depending on the cocktail, but I like... I, I tend to like Italian sweet vermouths over French. And I like the spicier ones over yeah. over the more florals and, and, yep. then, and that then sort then of thing. But that, that that's learning your palate and that's developing those things. Yeah. But that orange liqueur, I think, that's uh, the I was going to say orange liqueur is kind of a, a go-to. It's in a bunch of classics. You can't make a a margarita. You can't make a margarita worth drinking without, uh, uh, t- in my opinion, Cointreau, but a triple sec in general. Um, right and uh so th- those, those are some some baselines in terms of thinking about building it out uh, once you get there glassware becomes more important but I've certainly made a lot of drinks and put them in mismatched glassware for a long time and and people don't think twice about that as long as it tastes good yeah
1: I think yeah the, the basic idea and there's a book out there called the 12 bottle bar that I, I absolutely love and I think if somebody does it, come to me uh, and and say I'm going to start up a bar that's the one I pointed to the basic premise uh, very simply is with a certain, with a few select ingredients you can you can basically stock your bar to make a, like hundreds of different drinks uh, it's all based on your variations it's all based on you know if you're adding citrus or if you're adding other ingredients the kinds of sugars you're using all that so um, you know, that's I think a way to kind of think about it in a in a more limited sense if you're right. only going to have twelve bottles total, which is, is a bigger bar than most people, if you're only going to have that, then, I mean, you can narrow it down from there, too. Definitely, and then, so you did an inadvertent plug for for another
0: episode in this in the oh, nice. in this podcast, where uh, in the in the first ten episodes that I'm going to be attempting to release all at once here, I'm actually going to do my version of the twelve bottle oh, bar, cool. which nice. is very similar to the uh, yeah. published version. A couple couple of um, issues issues that I yeah you know kind of hash out and it, they're not so much issues that I that I point out but uh, I sort of give people a choice on some of them yeah. uh, a little cheat cheat workaround based on uh, their flavor preferences so absolutely I won't get I'm, I'm not going to get into yeah. it here this, I'm just I'm just going to tease it but yeah. um, so definitely check out our uh, sort of redux of the 12 bottle bar here on the Modern Bar Cart podcast but we will link to the actual book. in the show notes so you can always check those out by uh, visiting modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast and searching for this episode it's right near the beginning so um, yeah so we've talked about a lot of you guys have given a lot of good advice a lot of good sort of anecdotes I'm going to kind of smush a few of the questions together here uh, before we get into the lightning round and just ask what are some rookie mistakes what can go wrong when building your bar or hosting a party, I know that we talked about some of the stuff that that uh you know when it comes to hosting a party, you know Jordan wants to go back in time and slap himself for not producing his citrus, for example, mm-hmm. uh, or you know something like that, you know. But what are some of the the rookie mistakes that are easily avoidable, or some of the wrong reasons to go about building a bar, the wrong ways to go mm-hmm. about it that that could simply be fixed if mm-hmm. if people just knew from folks with experience
1: like yours. So I I would say the number one thing. Thing I've seen people do is they try and go too expensive too fast. Um, you know, Jordan and I are both big whiskey drinkers. Uh, whiskey drinkers is how I like to say it. But, uh, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, this $40 bottle is the, the lowest I'll go. And I'm like, you can get Old Overholt for $17 yeah. and that is one of the best mixing whiskeys around round mm-hmm. and it's available in every liquor store they don't advertise which is probably why they commit it's it's such a good product and it's also so inexpensive they, um, got, they got a little free advertising from boardwalk empire oh I they, think. Get a, yeah. Yeah, they get a free <laughs> advertising yeah. from every yeah.
2: I, I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure also, that that's product placement and that's not free but they advertising but <laughs> they also get free
1: advertising from <laughs> every bartender yeah and, yeah. Oh, and every you know of yeah. cocktails, that's what they're having so like you know for instance you know you want to say oh yeah it's 40 Whiskey. I, I remember I was talking to someone specifically about that and I was like, no, like 40 isn't where you want to start. You want to look at like the solid, have on your bar all the time yeah. kind of whiskeys. Um, I've got some very old Barton right now, which I love very old Barton. It's a, and I got a 1.75 liter for $22. Oh, yeah. Now
2: that is a, that is a great stock, yeah. you know, mixing uh, whiskey. Outside right? of a few exceptions, you can you can completely stock your bar with every common liquor you're going going to find for $30 or under oh, that's, yeah, that's called cock- for sure. That's Absolutely. cocktail, that's cocktail quality uh, yep. liquor. Um, yeah. I, I would say that <laughs> scotch might be some uh, tequila and some and and tend to be a little bit pricier but um, but you can certainly find plenty of whiskey for under thirty dollars and right and and, gin, and, gin as and, well and, and yeah and, gin.
1: and there's and there's also the flip, f- flip side of going too cheap and you know you're kind of going with the I mean I don't, I don't buy any liquor that's in pla- in a plastic bottle
0: um, <laughs> I, I, I actually uh ancient age is my yeah, is my, no, go, is uh, my oh, go-to oh, whiskey I, I, I just Okay. So, yeah. so the the 750 is in glass, but the handle is in plastic. Okay. Okay. So I know right. I'm sort of there's always
1: exceptions <laughs> to these rules that we're making. I got, I got, I got, I got no problem with ancient age, um, but you know, there's that. And then I, I would say the other one is. Um, You know that we that I at least have seen, and I'm sure, and I know I've heard Jordan talk about this is people that do kind of buy the pre pre mixed stuff that's made, you know, poor quality. Uh, There are some there are some great pre mixed uh, syrups and mixers and all that sort of stuff out there. There is some really good stuff. It's a little bit more expensive, and it's worth it for you know for that. But then you know you can get you know your citrus and you can squeeze it like we're talking about. That's that's a big one. But it's also in terms of of, some of adding some of the f- spices and complexity into some of your drinks. I mean, I've seen pre mixed uh, Manhattan.
2: That, that's the uh, that, that, that you're gonna go with the beginner host bartenders not mixing enough spice into their drinks, yeah. Okay, well, what are you saying? Too much, I just, just think I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that go wrong way before. Yeah. That. No, but like, no, I'm saying
1: like, you can buy like a pre mixed Manhattan m- yeah. mix, which is right. basically yeah, like, yeah, sure. okay. your, You mean, know, a Manhattan's you can you can make a decent Manhattan with the right Sweet vermouth and the right whiskey, so you know really why do you need a separate bottle for the Manhattan when you really mm. all you're missing out of that is your your bitters. So it's like you know you're you're so close sure. to you're so close yeah. to, to, to it anyway. Um, so that way say would be the, some things I really noticed. Yeah. There's probably a few others. I'm just right. right. Yeah. and I think you.
0: what those both boil down to is a lack of knowledge. Uh, yeah. So so I think there's an easy remedy, and that is to you know if you're listening to this podcast, you've already got the remedy. All right. You're yeah. You're going to be getting knowledge from yeah. me yeah. and the guests that I yeah. interview or you're going to quickly abandon ship and just start <laughs> listening to the Speaking Easy podcast <laughs> because we're giving you the link yeah. and they've got a lot more episodes than we do so uh, I think the, a good yeah. plug would be to do both listen to some yeah. podcasts if you're you can download a podcast and listen to it while you're on your way to work yeah. or you can check out some a number of the bibliographic references that we have yeah. you know yeah. We always reference books mm-hmm. in both of our oh, podcasts. Yeah. So um, find the knowledge, and the amount of time that you spend downloading and listening to that podcast, or the amount of money that you spend getting that book online, is going to pay massive dividends oh, yeah. down the line, and it's going to save you a lot of time and effort, and at the same time increase the quality of your product.
2: Yeah. No. I, I'll keep my my list short. I will reiterate the pre juicing. Uh, if you're if you're going to make cocktails with <laughs> fruit juice you do not want to be juicing your fruit while you're making the cocktail uh, I've done it and I'm already a slow bartender like the truth? <laughs> like it, do- it doesn't help um, and especially because now I've, I've gotten to the point where I tend to strain and then double strain my, my fruit juice for my cocktails at home sure so I've strain it once while I'm juicing and then I strain it again when when I'm making the cocktail so that's probably something super easy again when you're actually hosting it makes things quicker it makes things simpler done it's operational it's easy uh, the other one on that side on that side of things operational wise is uh, not enough ice or your access to ice is one where I, I even currently in in my setup have to think about how i am both supplying my ice to my bar and also dumping my used ice because I, it's not my bar's not set up well where it's convenient to have a i don't have a sink nearby. I don't have the refrigerator nearby. So I have to have an ice bucket and I have to have a dump bucket. And so
0: Mm, interesting.
2: And that's something where now I I tend to use like a a mixing tin or a shaking tin as my dump bucket. And then when that fills up, I know I can make a run to the sink and and dump it out. So I don't have just something huge sitting on my bar. But I do keep an ice bucket nearby because running back and forth to the freezer to, to pull ice, out and um my freezer also runs a little bit cold and to be honest having your ice right at 32 degrees so it's just starting to melt kind of thing it makes for a better drink, and that's marginal. Uh, that is that is something very specific, but it's something that I've learned. If you can if you can have your right ice resting, um, where it's actually going to be heating up. past because again, if your freezer is running something lower than thirty two, you're gonna have um f- frostbit ice, and especially again, if you're stirring. Especially um, if you're stirring. Okay.
0: Yep. Um, um. But that's the nice thing is that that's sort of incidental. That that yeah. that nice little uh, bumping quality that you get from that is just incidental to the fact. That you had to start carrying right. ice from. So, right, yeah, it's it's um, it's nice to be able to. I, I think this is a good point to just tell folks like if you're just starting to build your home bar or bar cart, think about the space too. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all constrained by the physical space that we're in and the amount of money that we have to spend. So, those are two things that you should you know sit down with a piece of paper and make a list yeah, of. Right. And and you know what are your what are you dealing with here? If you mm-hmm. sit sit down and map out what you want out of your cocktail bar and how you're going to use it in most situations whether that's just bartending for yourself yourself and a significant other or large crowds of people then some of these things that we're talking about become apparent without us really even having to to make the you know the mention
1: yeah it's i mean it's kind of one of those things at, at a certain point you have to think about your tools with the drinks that you make like <coughs> i you know i I like martinis so i really wanted to get a nice mixing glass a lot of people don't need uh, uh- you know, a $35 Yorai mixing glass from Japan. (laughs) I apparently needed one and I love it and I will never, I will never regret it ever. But like, if you don't drink a lot of stirred drinks, if you're, if you drink sours, you know, get a nice shaker and stay there. And, Mm. you know, you can you can still have something for for a stirring a drink, but like, just on a functional level, you got to think about that sort of stuff. It's not just, not just the bottles you have in your bar, but the tools also Uh, are really important.
2: So actually, yeah, I will, i no, I'll i uh, concur. Uh, Thank you. I uh, I'll say that having basic equipment—a shaker, a mixing glass, a pony and jigger, a um, stirring spoon, the, uh, a bar spoon—those um, things are important. You don't need the best out there. You don't need the most expensive out there when you're getting started. Mm-mm, it's right. one of those things where, as if if this is a hobby that's going to stick around with with you for, then you're going. To end up investing in that that more expensive equipment, or the equipment that you find adds value or convenience to the experience. I have a, a, a shaker that I didn't buy until later. Um, it's Oxo brand, and it is is the well, it's it's actually like super utilitarian, and it's um, double layered, and it is the best shaker out there period no argument like i <laughs> i i've got a pre, i've got prettier shakers um right but that oxo is like my bar mule it just it does everything i wanted to do and it does it well and and that sort of thing so and i would, I would, I would just say that is like you can build in you can build into that part of the hobby you don't need you don't need the super fancy stuff to get started um, but some of those basic tools are helpful
0: right and that's that's another insidious plug for another episode the top 10, uh, the first 10, and we're going to do a Build Your Bar Cart hardware and a Build Your Bar Cart software episode. So the software nice. being like the, the computer yeah. model is mm-hmm. the software, is the is the, <laughs> the, the liquid components yeah. and the hardware is the, nice. the tools. So cool. uh, the OXO or OXO or however you pronounce it, I have actually, instead of a, a pony and jigger, I have a little um, stainless steel measuring cup oh. and it's a two two yeah. uh, two and a half no, ounce yeah, measuring cup. And it's not sexy. It's no. not not as sexy no. as the stuff that they have at the fancy cocktail bars. The stuff I is utilitarian
2: it but it is Because great. it's got a pore
0: spout and yeah. I spill way less liquor because it <laughs> has a pore spout. Which adds up, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 a phenomenal little uh, piece of equipment. So when I record that episode, I will definitely have to do a shout out to your double walled uh, yeah. shaker as, as an option. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Right now, uh, I want to get into some lightning round questions. We've had a lot of really good anecdotes and just general advice from Mm-hmm. Two really knowledgeable guys here, and I really appreciate you doing that. But I want to give folks a little bit of your personality oh. so that hopefully, after they're done listening in this episode, yeah. they go onto whatever podcasting app they're using or on iTunes or wherever it is and download some of your episodes. So a little bit of personality here just to give them uh, a, a little bit more of the speaking easy flavor. So the first question in the lightning round is... Can we can we call it the white light lightning round? We'll call it large. <laughs> We can call it the White Lightning round. Oh, Excellent. Uh, I was thinking moonshine. That. Oh, yeah,
1: right.
0: Moonshine yeah. reference. All right, we'll, call the, we'll call it the Grease Lightning round. <laughs> yeah. Grease Lightning. Round. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Sorry, Here's I didn't the, want to throw off your flow. I just yeah. really wanted to get that out. I just, uh, you know, that's my personality. There you go. There it is. <laughs> yeah. all right. uh, interrupting. It, it, interrupting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> banter. So, uh, first question: What is your favorite cocktail? And if you don't have a favorite cocktail of all time, what is a cocktail you? you've been particularly obsessed with recently
2: and why Vucaray uh, hands down my favorite cocktail all time and, I love it uh, equal, equal parts cognac rye and sweet vermouth a uh, dash or two of benedictine some bitters uh, Pouchaud's and Angostura and uh, brandy I, I I don't do the Luxardo cherry I do a brandy cherry but uh, that is yeah. That, that's actually a, a big Alex influence on my life yeah. as the brandy cherry over the Luxardo I do
1: make- those kind of recipes um, available on speedneasypodcast.com yep. definitely yeah um, mine is the Sazerac um, which quite simply is an old fashioned in, in a in a, gla- in a glass that's been rinsed with absinthe um, the complexity can't be beat the flavors can't be um, you know really reciprocated by anything else um, it's just it's it's so beautiful and simple and yeah that's my favorite drink by far so noteworthy here I don't know if you guys coordinated with two New Orleans drinks. Yeah. 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 That's kind of, we, they, they invented a lot of really good drinks. We, we, we have,
2: for the most part, we have very similar liquor and cocktail yeah. I think I like gin more than you, but yeah like that, we're pretty, I'm, pretty yeah. compatible. You like yeah. rum, actually, that's it.
1: I like gin more than him. He likes rum more than me. I think that's kind, kind of, of, I think that's, I hope that's fair.
2: For, for expediency, I, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lightning round. Yeah.
1: Oh, so, yes. The
0: white <laughs> So you just, answer your question number 2 which is what is your favorite spirit uh, any 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 elaboration on on gin or whiskey <laughs> Or so, bur- bourbon, I don't know if it's so, bourbon. So I
2: would say that cocktail-wise, I, I still think I, rye is, is my favorite, but I'd say overall bourbon, and I sip it. Um, yeah. yep. I, I think overall bourbon still wins, and it's not in a cocktail.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree that rye for cocktails, and then for just uh, sipping whiskey, uh, I go rye or scotch. It's a tie. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, gin is definitely the next 10.
0: And any any favorite brands, uh, Jordan?
2: favorite brands of bourbon uh anything four roses again I, I use uh their yellow label which is actually uh again a, a common theme you'll hear on, on our podcast is that i like 100 proof stuff or higher but for cocktails especially when i'm serving other folks four roses yellow label is, is great and it's 80 proof but i do I, I love small batch and their single barrel i think they're all a, i think they're all great values booker uh russell reserve from uh wild turkey when you get to to the higher like higher end stuff uh, Will it puts out so much limited release stuff that uh, I can't point you to a specific bottle but any anything family estate it's going to be it's going to be pricey but is I think well worth it and, and, and for any listener out there who is a whiskey drinker if you can find WL Weller 12 year Oof. not the special reserve and uh, arguably the antique 107 is good too but if you find WL Weller 12 year for market price which is about 30 bucks buy all of it and and I will pay you double for it and I'll still get the better deal but uh, I, I'd say that those are I mean Elijah Craig barrel proof is a, is a great great I mean it's high proof it's like a hundred it depends on the barrel but 127 135 120 whatever um, I, I love that stuff so all over the map with the different brands that are out there serving stuff those are those are my is.
1: What about for, for gins, Alex? Um, yeah, so for gins, I I, I think my, my number one is Blue Coat. Um, out of Philly. Out of Philly, yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and it's, it's good to see American gin really on the rise. I mean, there are any number of other gins I love, but honestly, like, one of my favorite gin cocktails is just, the, you know, the lowly and simple gin Ricky, and my favorite for that is Beef Eater. And, and everyone's had Beef Eater. Uh, you've seen it everywhere. It's Got a lot of juniper flavors, London Dry, um, and I, you know that's another one. Again, those are not expensive bottles. Um, so right. Those are you yeah. know gin, and, and you know then I also there's a local one, Green Hat, um, from New Columbia Distillers. Um, their uh, their Navy Strength is great, uh, and then there's their Summer has a lot of citrus in it, and that's also really great.
0: Yep, yeah, definitely agree on that. Very very good recommendations. My favorite question: If you could have a cocktail with anyone in the world, past or present, Who would that person be? Where would you go? What cocktail would you order or create? So this could be at a restaurant or sort of at your home bar or a hypothetical home bar where you have amazing
2: supplies. Paint us a picture. All right. I'd say I've got two answers. Uh, One is um, I'm a big fan of uh, American history, big presidential biography reader. And uh, George Washington, for a very brief moment, had the largest whiskey distillation process or, uh, operation in the United States um, probably less than a year uh, quantity wise but he did have it for a while and his likeness to Cato the the self-discipline the, that sort of thing and his outlook on America's future are ones that I whether they've been romanticized or not are ones that I've attached to and the fact that he was a whiskey distiller as well and his wife was a huge fan of punch um, I just feel like would be a lot of of, uh, mm. of overlap there, where we could have a great conversation that had neither to do with politics nor drinking. Um, but I feel like we would find similarities, and I'd love to have been a, a contemporary there. The other one would be I I like drinking more often than not in bars that don't exist in D.C. And those are those are neighborhood bars. Those are hole-in-the-wall places that I think because of the way that zoning laws work here, you have bar neighborhoods and you have residential neighborhoods and you do not have a lot of quintessentially neighborhood bars and I've met some great even if they're momentary friends in neighborhood bars in Chicago and elsewhere and anybody who's willing to have a shot in a beer or an old-fashioned in that setting and talk to a complete stranger uh, is somebody who, who will quickly become a friend of mine.
0: So George Washington in a neighborhood bar, yeah. I, so, yeah
2: no, I, I I was thinking of those as two separate things, but uh, just about anybody in a neighborhood bar that that's willing again willing to to drink simply and and, and kind of in my line of blue collar drinks, but uh, but then George Washington and again I'm probably drinking a punch with him. Yeah, I, I I love <laughs> the uh, I love
0: the Martha Washington punch call. That's <laughs> fascinating. That's that's
1: great. Oh yeah. So wow, those <laughs> are. really Really good answers. Um, I was, you know, earlier I was joking that my answer was going to be Abe Lincoln drinking Vanique on the moon. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that, that would That's really awful. happen. Uh, but uh, no, I know, um, I've also got two. So I think the first one is, um, you know, I love Ernest Hemingway uh, and I think that a lot of people who are prone to spirits imbibing uh, are partial to him. So um, I would love to be like down in Key West at Sloppy Joe's where he was pretty well known like after a day of fishing you know going just being manly men and, and going just to have some rum and hang out and and then end the night with his, favor- his favorite drink was actually a martini I mm. don't know that uh, yeah. but he's written that he wrote about it. but um, so end the night with a martini and then uh, you know he'd go off and be Ernest Hemingway and I'd go to sleep <laughs> around 10.30 or so there's, there's uh,
0: a there's a really great story where he uh, he, he just absolutely destroyed the like, like in a physical altercation one of my favorite poets Wallace oh. Stevens who was also uh, a frequenter of Qwest, West yeah. and oh, well, Wallace Stevens thought he was uh, going to step to Ernest Hemingway and Ernest Hemingway just punched him out into a puddle.
1: So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, hopefully it's not on one of those nights uh, that I yeah. uh, and the, the other one um, would be more to see a bartender um, Professor Jerry Thomas you know the guy who okay. wrote, wrote you know, the first cocktail book and uh, you know is a legend. Um, and I, I'd love to go see, um, during the gold rush, he was actually in California. He was in San Francisco, across the bay from San Francisco. I think the town is called Martinez, which he in the bar is El Dorado, where he invented the Martinez, which, you know, a lot of people think may have been the first martini. Uh, but then he also had this drink that he was well-known for at the time at the El Dorado called the Blue Blazer, which is uh, just, yes. yeah, the honey. It's I think it's just honey, lemon, and and uh, uh, scotch, and he, but he would stretch it between two mugs while it was on fire and make a blue flame. And like I would, I mean, obviously you can, you, you see they'll do that now, but like to see the original do it, I mean that would be pretty cool. So absolutely,
0: those are those are awesome answers. Uh, you guys did not disappoint on that one. <laughs> Now, we spoke earlier about a few maybe texts that, that you have found useful, uh, the 12-bottle bar being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any other cocktail books that you would recommend, uh, particularly since we're early on in the podcast here, for people who are just starting
2: out? Uh, uh, really quickly, two recommendations. I really like The Joy of Mixology as a general cocktail recipe book. Um, it's over your other shoulder. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then for, again, for... For operations and for procedure, liquid intelligence. Gary Reagan and Dave Arnold. Uh, so Gary Reagan's the author of The Joy of Mixology. Uh, uh, Dave Arnold is the author of Liquid Intelligence. And again, uh, Joy of Mixology is just a great kind of encyclopedia of drink recipes, uh, well organized so that you can search them by different things, whether it's ingredient or st- like style of drink. And then again, liquid intelligence for uh, really honing in on the skill set the the simple things that you, you think you know how to shake but maybe you don't and sure. you think you know how to mix but maybe you don't and um, simple steps to make your ice better simple steps uh, to to make serves better all, all that stuff
0: great you know. yeah so that's sort of the, the book where you learn all the hacks yeah. to you know take yeah. it to the next level yep.
1: so yeah the, the two additional that I would talk about would be anything and anything and everything that <laughs> (laughs) Dave Wondrich has ever written. Uh, He's ever written, looked at, thought about, or even been around. Hey, Dave, come Um, on our show. Yeah, we would love that. But he also, I mean, mostly, he's mostly well known for the Imbibe, um, which you know is it's a great. I love cocktail history, and so that's a great book. That he's got some nice recipes in there. And just so everybody
0: knows, I was I was at a I was in the same room with Dave Wondrich, and he made a cocktail. It was actually a punch based on a, a a book that he he had recently published on punch, and he put. Uh, a product called Ambergris in this punch and it is uh, sort of fermented, petrified whale bile. So uh, that
2: <laughs> if, sounds like Dave if, That also yeah. sounds like <laughs> Alex Lubel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so if you if you want to get if you want to get kind of kind of weird, and he, he also has a fantastic sense of humor, oh, yeah. uh, and, and he will definitely be referenced quite a bit throughout throughout this
1: you know the, the uh, modern bar cart podcast. So um, yeah. yeah, what was the other one? you were going to The recommend? other one is uh, called Vintage Spirits and Forgotten Cocktails by Doctor. Cocktail Ted Haig. Yeah, I mean it's a great book. It's got all these sorts of obscure, um, pre, a lot of pre-prohibition cocktails, ones that just you know had, had kind of fallen by the wayside, or certain ingredients had, had uh, kind of disappeared. Um, like you know there are a lot of drinks in there that feature peach brandy, which actually, sadly is not made in the United States anymore. Um, that sort of stuff. So I uh, you know I, that book I I use that more than almost any of my other books.
0: Gotcha. That's good, and that's I think that's what we what we're looking for. Here we're, we're really trying to get those recommendations of the the ones that people come back to again and again. For me, it's Amy Stewart's uh, The oh, Drunken Botanist, that's and, and that's because I'm, I'm making bitters. Yeah, uh, but
1: which I'm surprised we didn't. You and I didn't get into like just a long bitters rant together because that's yeah. what we're known for. Yeah, well, a future, do, yeah. time for a future episode. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There, there will be there will be more <laughs> more on that, folks. There I, I assure bitters, you, yeah. there will be bitters. I might be gone during that one. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas, I first of all, I want to ask how people can best connect with you. And I know that's that's something that you always work into your own podcast. Mm-hmm. But there's another thing that you also always work into your own podcast. Roughly at this time of the podcast. So yeah. as you are tag teaming, the best way to connect with you, maybe you can give us a little taste of that. Okay. Right.
1: Well, uh, I think we'll we'll start with some of how to get get yeah. in touch with us and. A good idea. Um, so on, tw- <laughs> so on Twitter you can uh, find us at Speaking Easy Pod. On Instagram at Speaking Easy Podcast You can search for us on Facebook Speaking Easy Podcast.
2: Uh, we also have a website, don't we, Jordan? We have a website which is speakingeasypodcast.com. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, you can uh, go to speakingeasypodcast.com slash review. And uh, we've made it about as easy as possible yeah. there. Um, and then I think uh, what you're referencing is the fact that we always end our show uh, with a toast. Well, where, where I come up with a
1: toast and Jordan uses the same old
2: toast. I use the there. same great toast every time.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I, I like, I like, what, I like where you've
0: kind of gone with it though because I remember early on it was just sort of, you, you, you said the toast but then you worked in pretty soon afterwards this, this sort of the inverse of yes. it. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mostly, okay. mostly to appease me. And, and the thing is, about that is, that's where um, my limited creativity actually comes into play because I usually don't know what I'm going to say on that side of things until until always right fun. before. Yeah. Um,
1: well, and so I, um, I usually start, and so I'll, I'll I will start again, and um, so because I mentioned Hemingway, I have a Hemingway beautiful. Uh, toast. It's it's not really a toast; it's more of a, just a statement from him, but it's a great drinking <laughs> statement, which I use as a toast. Um, so, uh, raising your glasses, always do sober what you said you'll, you'd will do drunk. That will teach you to keep your mouth shut.
0: So, cheers. Link. <laughs>
1: That seems like a toast.
2: Enough. Well, uh, speaking for for the Speaking Easy podcast, we're certainly not here to make your white lightning round quick. <laughs> but, but, but we are here to help you be a better drinker. So to being a better drinker. To being a better drinker.
0: Cheers, gentlemen. Uh, well, thanks for coming on the episode. And everybody, I do want to emphasize, once you're done listening to this head over to Speaking Easy Podcast however you want to do that whether that's through your podcasting app or simply on the interwebs I, I know for a fact that you can play their episodes right there in your web browser which is what I would do uh, at work when I wanted to, it to seem like I was listening to something work-related and not to my <laughs> iPhone so well now it is work-related do yeah, you and, and now thankfully <laughs> here I am so if you too want cocktail podcasting to be <laughs> no I'm just kidding <laughs> but (laughs) Thank you for tuning in and I, I will see you next time. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. I just want to remind you that this episode might be over, but the journey and the discussion are just beginning. If you're excited about the content in this or any other episode, please tell us. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Bar Cart for recipes and great product tips, or stalk me personally at Quixologist. That's quix You can also like us on Facebook by searching Modern Bar Cart, or hit us up directly via email by sending a note to podcast at modernbarcart.com. That email address, by the way, is also the one that you should use if you've got any cocktail or home bartending related questions you'd like us to address. Or if you think you have a unique perspective on the cocktail world and would like to be interviewed for all to hear. I'll see you next time. But until then, drink responsibly and experiment boldly.